Hello. Hi. 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 I'm cheating. I get to look at the waveforms. Hi. Hi, I'm Dan. I'm Carrie. Hi, I'm Patrick. And welcome to our second try at the 2014 Academy Awards. Hopefully with less technical difficulties this time, though no guarantees because uh, we have old technology here. Oh, he's just talking about his laptop. It's not great, and I I might have a new solution on another day. Or not this, today. Or if this doesn't work, at which point we'll have a new solution sooner. Mm-hmm. Uh, We're walk- talking about the 2014 Academy Awards yeah. presentation. Yep. For if I ran the Oscars, where we're going to and we're going to look at what it won for and a couple other categories chosen at random to see what else it could have won for. But we don't pick the movie. Nope. It's all chosen at random. And this year, we got the odds on favorite, but not best picture, because this was another year that best picture did not get the most awards, which it's kind of a crapshoot, 50-50-ish. What got best picture this year? 12 Years a Slave. Oh, and the movie we watched definitely probably was not going to be... I think it was nominated. It was nominated among mm-hmm. the ten. Yeah. But now there's ten. Yeah. So that's, mm-hmm. a pretty, that's a pretty wide swath. It's another case where Best Director was not the Best Picture winner. Yeah. But now where there's ten, mm-hmm. I think that that really changes up the dynamic. So, so we are watching... We watched Gravity. Gravity. Uh, our facts for our Academy Awards this year: uh, first black director to win Best Picture, okay. no, no, to direct a Best Picture winner. Okay. He did. He got nominated, didn't win, but mm-hmm. still okay. got there. First Mexican to win Best Director okay. for this movie, Gravity. Okay. Alfonso Cuarón, Matthew McConaughey, and Jared Leto won Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor which made Dallas Buyers Club the fifth movie to get both male acting wins. That was a really interesting film. Yep. Kate Blanchett has now won both female acting awards in her career, which makes her the sixth one to do that. And youngest individual, wow, youngest uh, EGOT, Robert Lopez. Okay. Because uh, he got uh, best song this year because he wrote Frozen. He wrote the music for Frozen. Hmm. And he is one of the people to have the Emmy, the Grammy, the Oscar, and the Tony. All for the same song? Not necessarily for the same song. But he got it before he turned 40. That's pretty young. I mean... And he's also, as of last year, and I suppose mm-hmm. this year, there's not... Hasn't been much of this year to change that. The only person to have the EGOT more than once. He's the only person to have won more than one... Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. Wow. Hmm. Oh, he also wrote, uh, co-created the Book of Mormon and Avenue Q. So there's his Tonys. Sure, sure. All right. Well. Well, he's got a formula for what works in the biz. Boy, howdy does it work, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to switch and talk about gravity, which is going to be a slight change in our format. Usually, I pull up a list, a, a phenomenal list of actors and the things they've been in. This movie, the entire cast list on Wikipedia, which is different than the one on the credits, because mm-hmm. some of them, I think, are uncredited, is seven people. What? Three of which appear technically, two of which appear practically. Mm-hmm. So there is one guy who is the flight engineer who is, is Sir getting smashed in the face in space. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, there's the captain of the explorer, which you hear a little bit at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then right. is Madame no Death. I uh, there's the captain of the ISS, which you hear once. Their voices. Yes. Yeah. There is the guy on the radio in Houston. No, the guy on the radio. Oh, oh, oh! Just yeah, on the, the ham radio. Greenlandic Inuk fisherman. Wow. He is in fact an actual like. Guy, you know, guy. normal guy. Uh, and fun fact, he is in a short film directed by Jonas Curran. Okay. Which is the other side of the conversation, filmed from his perspective. Oh, sure. Okay. And then Ed Harris, who uh, plays Mission Control. Just like uh, he did in Apollo 13. I was going to say, the not right to be stuff. confused with the role he played in Apollo 13 where he was Mission Control. Well, wasn't he in the right stuff also? He yes, but... John Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. He was the other side. He was yeah. not Mission Control in that one. <laughs> Until later in the movie, I believe, he was Mission Control later when he was no longer going in space. Mm, I think so. He got yeah. an office job. And George Clooney's in this one, though not as much as... Sandra Bullock, who we've managed to avoid talking about for a very long time somehow. Yeah. Sandra Bullock got her acting debut in 1987. Her main, like, first big movie Mm -hmm. is Demolition Man. Oh, dear. With Sylvester Stallone. Oh, my. She has a supporting role, (laughs) but when you're in an action movie with Stallone, Mm -hmm. you had noticed. The year after that was Speed. That's which, what I was going to guess was her breakout. Yeah. But Do you I know which know. movie she got an Academy Award for? Uh, wow. That's a tough one. Well, when I say it, you'll go, oh, obviously. Well, it's not Miss Congeniality. No. It's not The Proposal. No. It's, um, it's something more serious than that. It's The Blind Side. <gasps> oh, of course. Oh, yeah, of there course. You know. there you go. Yeah. And apparently she was in Ocean's 8. Yes, she was. Which I didn't okay. realize, but kind of makes sense. Uh, she has produced a few movies, including mm-hmm. Miss Congeniality 2, mm-hmm. and she was an executive producer on the George Lopez sitcom, huh. which is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And does a lot of philanthropy stuff. Sure. She's one of them pretty good, dependable actresses mm-hmm. that's done a lot of stuff. And it's just kind of surprising that we've managed to avoid talking about her this long. Yeah, that's true. And that's like it for... People in this movie, right. though it the director does merit a little mention. He has not done a lot as far as feature-length films are concerned. On the Wikipedia list, he has eight. Okay. And the fact that he's gotten to do this is a little impressive. But of note, there's a few that I don't really recognize. And then Great Expectations... In 1998, with Ethan Hawke and Gwyneth Paltrow, Robert De Niro. Yeah. So, that would put him on the map. And then, a movie in Spanish. And then Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Children of Men, which I think I've seen that one. It's very weird. Uh, That's a movie where everyone is infertile. And then a baby happens, and the man must protect the baby. And, you know, various death huh. and shenanigans. And then gravity. Well, hmm. All right. So, what we're going to be talking about here is a bit of how it was made, and a bit of the 
fairly poor writing. Well, because well, I've it. We, we kind of have to because we talk up so much about story we that we can't really avoid it. So making of this one is interesting. They were it was uh, the director and his son had written another project in 2008 and it wasn't coming out. It wasn't happening. So they wrote up this one and they were shopping it around and it took multiple years to get this project started and then multiple years to film. Well, because they needed the technology to catch up to their vision. Yeah. And they developed the technology. Right. The light box technology that was used, Mm -hmm. which it is what it sounds like. It's multiple panels of thousands of LEDs that are connected to the computer system that is pre-programmed with camera movements and locations in 3D space. So when the actor is acting, Mm -hmm. there is a camera moving around them, and while the camera is moving around them, the lights are turning on and off to simulate where the sun is in outer space. Sure. So when they come back in later to add in CGI, they have incredibly accurate lighting on the person. Already. And can match it to the CGI easily. This is saving them mountains of work in post mm-hmm. and makes it look very realistic. Uh, it does note here that she would be strapped in that thing for 10 hours a day. Yeah. Because it was a pain to get in and out. The, what did they call, what did they, how did they refer to that? The rigging? The rigging. Yeah. Because yeah. there were two primary things that Sandra Bullock was, if you will, strapped into. One was the 12 cabled harness. Like a marionette. Like a marionette. And the other was the gimbal jobby in the light box. Yeah. A very unusual acting premise. Mm-hmm. It, it, because you are not acting off of other people for the most part. You you are acting off of the cues that you've been given and the scenarios that you've been given. You're not acting off of someone else's actions or someone else's facial um, and there wasn't a lot of, for her, there wasn't a lot of uh, film time where she wasn't strapped into something, you right, know? Right. There, mm-hmm. I mean, that that seems to me that there were a number of things that were probably very challenging mm-hmm. for it, the actor. Right. It was just, it was a very different method. Yeah. For the one location shot, because there is yes, the uh, one, mm-hmm. it's Lake Powell, Arizona, and fans of ancient... Uh, movies will know that as where the astronaut landing scene from Planet of the Apes oh, took sure. place. Oh, that would make sense. I didn't know that. I didn't either, obviously. Lake Powell is a pretty popular place. Yeah. Uh, a fun fact from screenings, they were showing off with, you know, not finished special effects. But their in- the initial feedback they got was, it's a movie in space. Where are the aliens? Mm. Oh, ha ha ha. And the director said, no. <laughs> and the studio was going, uh, but all of the feedback. Uh-huh. And then they showed it off at Comic-Con. Okay. And Comic-Con said, cool. Oh, this is the best. <laughs> and, the, uh, and the studio realized, oh, when the nerds think it's good and we don't need aliens, because they're the idiots that love aliens. Right. Uh-huh. Oh, that worked for Arlie. 
And Dan can say idiots because Dan considers himself a nerd. I'm so. the idiot that loves aliens. <laughs> yeah. The 13 minute opening, it's 13 minutes. The open, first opening scene without cuts. It's not that it's without cuts of actors because mm-hmm. clearly we're just green screening them in. But that's 13 minutes of planned, organized camera movement mm-hmm. without stopping. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is ridiculous. That's really long. I can't do 13 minutes of anything without stopping. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think I've danced around the story for a while. Yeah. Are you going to talk about the story? I have to mention it a little because I, while the movie was going, I said that this is the second least subtle motherhood in space metaphor I've ever seen. No. And the f- first least subtle one bears special mention because of how dopey it is. It's a video game. It's called Metroid Other M. And you'll notice very cleverly that if you put the M in front of other, it says mother. Oh, <laughs> very clever. I got that the first time yeah. without the explanation. Uh, that one uh, features a distress signal from a sh- bottle ship. And the distress signal is called a baby's cry. And <laughs> okay, it doesn't get better from there. <laughs> uh, but this one, I think our... There was a chance that our appreciation of the movie could have been tainted by pre-reading a review that did not like the movie. I think there mm-hmm. was a good chance that we would have watched the movie expecting there to be problems. The fact that the review was more accurate than we thought is, I guess, convenient for our, appre- our ability to appreciate the movie. But at the same time, maybe we should not do that next time. Well, at this, but I also think that there were instances in the film where I thought if this is supposed to be a strong female lead, I mean, she was absolutely panicking. And to me, if someone has gone through astronaut training, they don't panic. You don't get picked to do astronaut jobs, even yeah. a mission specialist job, if you are going to panic in an unusual situation. Mm. And that, I think that right there really kind of wrecked it for me. Mm. Um, you know, the whole idea about, you know, her gravity and her daughter's death, you know, and the, those kinds of things, uh, that's a little thin, mm. but I, I felt like I, I would have believed in her character more if she hadn't seemed to be a flighty panic air almost airhead i mean not an airhead because she's supposed to be dr ryan stone so i had a couple of thoughts one was this is the opposite of die hard Mm. die hard is a movie where problems constantly happen to the main character Mm -hmm. much like this movie sure in die hard he goes well and solves it exactly i guess i have to deal with this whereas Uh. in this movie problems keep happening and until the end, where she has some manner of miraculous, you know, turnaround, she doesn't really solve the problems. She gets lucky. She gets lucky. She gets told what to do. She gets help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Problems keep happening to her, and it's not by her hand that she survives them. Which I think is a... Until later. Until, until it... the end, when she yeah. has a miraculous change of heart. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe here again, yeah. they would have... Uh, greatly benefited by hiring a screenwriter to come in and help them really nail this story-wise. 
I mean, I think it's I, I think it's a great you know overcoming difficulty basic premise, but but this is similar time. to Avatar, where you have a very cool idea for mm-hmm. a visual spectacle, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and if you would just suck it up and get hire a writer, it mm-hmm. could have been really something. Uh, my other thought was, and I had this mostly because I wrote most of a movie. I still haven't finished the end mm-hmm. of it, and I'm not sure I ever will at this point. Uh, but along the lines of a beautiful mind, not necessarily mm-hmm. exactly, but there's the one scene where she imagines that Matt is there helping mm-hmm. her. Right. I think if that had happened more, mm. I think that would have been better. Instead of him being physically present during parts of the movie and then a lot of not, I think having him there as an imaginary presence, encouraging her, trying mm-hmm. to like mm-hmm. remind her of things... Mm-hmm. would have made it so that she is not necessarily always panicking or her mm-hmm. or she's got something to latch onto and she can stop panicking but without having the man there to save her physically mm-hmm. and get all of the strong female protagonist people in a knicker twist mm-hmm. that she's still doing the work she's still mm-hmm. it's all in her head her ideas right well the the idea that your ancestors or or the people that have gone before you are helping you yeah and that's something where I had I have a, a script down most of the way for a guy who's alone on a space station and he's got, you know, the hallucinations around him that would happen if you are alone in space because your mind needs something to do and one that's helpful and three that aren't. And the one that's helpful leads him forward and the three that aren't motivate him to succeed in spite of them. And I think not necessarily that they all need to take my ideas, but... Kind of going with the beautiful mind thing, we wouldn't necessarily have to know that he's dead. It's true. It could be something where she lost sight of him, then she hears him again, and he says something like, I lost my tether, we can't hook up, you've got to do this to get there. Mm -hmm. And something like that, and then he gets in, and all of a sudden she notices, like, he's not in a seat, you know, two-thirds of the way through the movie. Because that gives us a surprise, also. which So I think that helps to propel us and helps to keep us wondering in our own mind did we see something did we understand it correctly yeah mm-hmm. so there i fixed your movie uh <laughs> <laughs> there's not much more to talk about this one other than the insane amounts of post-production work that went into this uh 80 of the 91 minute runtime of this movie is computer generated and i suspect uh another bit of that minutes is credits so, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, this this movie was more CG than Avatar was. Wow. Well, because Avatar had a by, lot yeah. more by percentage humans. of shots. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Avatar probably had more computers generated things. Just because there was so much more time. Just, uh, there, well, there's so, so much more too. stuff, and this yeah, one was in too. space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was also I uh, converted to 3D, which mm-hmm. I guessed right at the beginning when she reaches to the camera and grabs something. Well, or there was a a screw that was falling yeah. toward the us. Yeah, which is the you know sure sign of mm-hmm. this movie was in three D because ooh, it's coming out to grab you. <laughs> so our first category, our main thing we're talking about is, I believe it was one of the sound things because there was sound, editing, wasn't it? It is sound, sound effects. effects. So. There was a lot of sound effects. There were a lot of sound effects, and there was a lot of use of 
well, there's all the bass rumble going on, mm-hmm. but I think that was generally when they were holding on to something. And that's vibrations that you're hearing. And there was heartbeat stuff yep. and things like Breathing. that. Breathing. And you kind of wonder what the real astronauts say they hear when yeah. they're in their spacesuits doing a spacewalk. But there was also there was a lot of the silence of space when it wasn't being yeah. I you know drowned out by the soundtrack, which was a good soundtrack. And one for that, which we're going to have to talk about for reasons. And I think that was one of the reasons that there was the background, uh, you know, the subwoofer was busy. Yeah. Um, because when they went to the silence of space, it was a very significant contrast. Oh, yeah. They did it really intentionally. So we should talk about the sound guys. I, we won't recognize their names necessarily, but one. let's go through some names here. Chris Monroe... Worked on 80 films. He has an Academy Award for this and also the sound on Black Hawk Down. Wow. And he was nominated for The Mummy and Captain Phillips. That's some Captain variety. Captain Phillips was, was it this year? That was the year before. That was the year before. Next guy, Christopher Benstead. He is a re-recording mixer and also a composer. He composed the score for The Gentleman and Wrath of Man. He, let's see here. Oh, he composed additional music for the live-action Aladdin that Mm. happened fairly recently. Mm. And also the live-action Beauty and the Beast. Oh, exploring the new Dolby Atmos standard for this movie. Maybe that's why the sound is so weird. That's the Dolby's new surround sound Mm. thing. Atmos is a big thing. So, you know how surround sound works? No, but go right. ahead and wow me. Well, surround sound in general works by, instead of having a left and a right for stereo, you have at least five speakers. Okay. You have front, front left, front right, back left, back right. Okay. So surround sound allows you to do things like, oh, there's something coming up behind you, and it's only coming out of the back speakers. Mm-hmm. Atmos changed it, and it wouldn't show up on ours, obviously, right. by having ups and downs. Oh. So there is a back left up and a back left down. Oh, sure. So you get a lot more specific use of sound. So in theaters, this movie probably sounded amazing. Sure, sure. Yeah. And if they had done it right, this would have been very easy for them to take a movie where sound is very important to it Mm -hmm. and do a good job mixing it and placing it. So, yeah, I wish we would have have a setup like that, but... No. No, we don't need it. Mom says no to that. Skip. I, I, but I did. I will, will make my comment, and I made this comment during the film. There were times when I felt that the sound and or the music, they were, it was pushing me to feel a certain way or to, yeah. it, it felt to me like the sound was pushing the story. The story wasn't, you know. Well, the story wasn't going to be pushing anything. It wasn't doing anything. Yeah. It was floating in space. And yeah. that. The music was pushing me to believe or to think a certain yeah. thing. And we will have to we will talk about the soundtrack a little bit for necessity in a bit. <laughs> but next guy, Skip Leavesay. He worked on No Country for Old Men and got nominated there. Okay. Then also got nominated in for True Grit. Then the remake. won uh, in twenty eleven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then he won for Gravity. While also being nominated for Inside Llewellyn Davis and Roma. Wow. So 
pretty good stuff there. And the last guy on the list, because there were four guys total between the two sound categories that they won for, is Glenn Fremantle, who was nominated for Slumdog Millionaire. Hmm. And he has 130 credits since 1981. So he's a busy guy. Busy guy. So those are our sound guys. And in agreement here, the sound mm-hmm. in movie be good. Next one, cinematography. Which is really different because this was filmed in such a different method from a usual filming standpoint. And while you are correct, it did win because, mm-hmm. because the it camera was groundbreaking. work was groundbreaking and uh-huh. so meticulous. It was, I mean, it, this was, this would have been a, a good movie to see at a theater. Oh, definitely. I'm a little disappointed that I didn't go. Well, but, around, yeah. around that time, I think I was a poor college student. So that was... 2013? 2013. Yeah, it was definitely... A poor, I've been a poor college student for most of the... For most of your adult life. Most of the life. 2010s. <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, our next category, it rolled the other sound category, which is why huh. I said we should talk about the soundtrack a little bit. Uh-huh. So, this, it also won for soundtrack. What? And the guy... Let's see. Let's pull up the guy what wrote it. Stephen Price... Oh, I saw his face on one of those YouTube things we've In fact, mm-hmm. we've talked about him before, yeah. or we should have. Oh. He didn't compose it, but he was on the music team for Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Oh. So while not the writer, he yeah, yeah. definitely was involved with that. Batman Begins, and the very mm-hmm. excellent and underrated Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, ah, which I may okay. need to add to my big list of uh, things to watch <laughs> on another time. But we watched a little bit of behind the scenes, and they were using some interesting instrumentation. Well, because they wanted it to sound ethereal. Yeah. And then you get to the movie, and there was definitely suspense music, which Mm -hmm. you talked about. Mm -hmm. And I contend that if music is making you feel a way during a movie, that's good, and we wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. So... Well, I I like the music to enhance the experience, and there were a couple of times when I felt like that for me, and it's just my personal opinion, I felt that the music wasn't enhancing anymore. The music was pushing. Yeah, and that's a fine line, and I'm and again probably picky. If the screenplay is not going to drive the action, something has to. Right, right. I of note, Frozen was not nominated for original score. Because the overall score of Frozen is not super fun. It It just got songs. It did get song. It was only nominated for one song, and it won for that one. Interestingly, there was a nomination revoked from a movie in the song category, so that's interesting. Because it wasn't really a song? It doesn't say why. It wasn't an original song. Maybe it wasn't an original song. They figured it out. I don't know. Uh-oh. I'd have to do more research on that one, and we didn't talk about that movie, so I don't need to. We're not going to do it. Gonna right do it. And the Unless last your one dad is, figures it out. And the last one is best actor. What do we think about George Clooney in this one? I don't know that he was the lead. You wouldn't consider him a lead actor. He was supporting. Uh, he was not nominated in either place, so let's talk yeah. about him in best actor. Yeah. What do we think? I, I'm not sure that there was enough there to. No, not mean, enough screen time. Let's put it this way: I've seen George Clooney do better acting. Oh, definitely. But he, I think he didn't have a lot to work with. No. I think that was part of it. And there's the, just not a lot to do. You're sit, he was in a spacesuit the whole time. Mm-hmm. 
and the writing wasn't particularly good. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of like... You're stuck. Mm, yeah. Okay. And this, this would have been a tough year to break through because Matthew McConaughey won. Christian and Bale, that was an incredible yeah. performance. Christian Bale in American Hustle. Bruce Dern, who we've talked about a few yeah, times yeah. in Nebraska. Leonardo DiCaprio in The Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> yeah. And she would tell... EGF4. four in 12 Years a Slave. Yeah. You, and no. he was very good in it. Yeah, that. no. A performance where you're strapped into a spacesuit the entire time was not yeah. going to get you anything, yeah. even if you had a good script. Yeah. So, unfortunate, but... It got seven awards. It swept the technicals. Right, right. Well, basically. because it was doing something that had not been done before with film. Yeah. So, yeah, it. if you want to watch a... If you want to see a movie that's landmark in the act of creating believable film, mm-hmm. this is definitely one. If you want to watch a movie with a strong female main character... Mm, uh, you know, well, it's, you, it's a... You it, could do better. We'll right. say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got some fun facts for us? I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that the only other... Um, you, you know, we've talked about three actors. Yeah. I didn't realize George Clooney was in so much TV before he was in film. He was in ER. Once you're he in was in ER. Whatever you want. Yeah, right. But uh, Haldut Sharma, who was the one of the other astronauts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I thought, oh, look him up. I don't know. I don't know him. Look him up on IMDb. They don't even have his birth date on IMDb. Yeah, it's no. Like, I, I looked at his full bio, and there's it says a sentence and a half. It, no, it doesn't have that much. <laughs> An actor and writer known for, and, and they mentioned three films, including Gravity and Children of Men. Yeah, and that's the whole bio. Well, think, like, <laughs> we're lucky okay. that there was a third actor to talk about in <laughs> this right. one. Yeah. Yeah, right. But it's just little tidbits like that. No, all right. Well, then we want to thank the Academy for doing its job and thereby pointing us in the direction of quality filmmaking. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.